0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Sober Gratitudes. My name is Sarah, and I'm so glad you're here today. Before I introduce today's amazing guest, I wanted to thank my listeners for all your support after last week's podcast launch. Your feedback has helped me tremendously. My guest for today is Brad from the Instagram account JustBradMMXV and he is on a mission to end the stigma that all alcoholics are homeless bums drinking out of garbage bags. For most of his life, this is how he identified alcoholics. He did not know at that time that alcoholism does not discriminate. I am so inspired by Brad's incredible story of transformation, and I have a feeling you will be too. So let's give a warm welcome to Brad. Hi, Brad. Welcome to Sober Gratitudes.
1: Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so glad to be talking with you today about recovery and life on the other side of addiction. Yeah, so, it's my pleasure.
1: I'm, I'm so glad you're doing this uh, this this project. It's really exciting.
0: Oh, thank you. I appreciate your support. It's It's been like over a year in in my head and in, in the making, and and I'm really grateful it just Came at such a great time at the end of the year, and so I'm excited for 2020. Yeah,
1: yeah, me too. 2019 was a really good year for me, and I'm stoked to see what 2020 holds in store.
0: Great. So, so tell <laughs> me. So let's let's get to know you a little bit. I want my listeners to know who you are. You, you're. I met you on Instagram. Uh, you're one of the first people I became friends with on Instagram and loved your account just because it was so positive and so, uh, authentic and real and, and, and that, so that drew me to you and, and your daily posts are just remarkable. They're really inspiring. So, so tell me a wow. little bit about, let's, let's talk about you in real life and, um, share about life if you don't mind, uh, before you hit day one of sobriety.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, and, and I just, I want everyone to know, you know, we all have our individual stories and how we get to day one, um, whether we're struggling to find day one, whether we're struggling to recapture day one, um, you know, we all have our individual stories and everyone's story is 100% valid one thing that I, I try and push so much is um you know a lot of people resonate with me and my history and, and, and my openness and whatnot but that's not necessarily for everybody. Um and so whether you connect with this particular story or not it's uh, you, everyone's story is valid. Um you know sobriety recovery addiction is is so unique to everyone but it really does unite us all. Um so with that being said my my past um you know with without knowing the kind of the reasons yet behind why i was so hooked on on alcohol my my biggest issue um really was that i i didn't believe that i had a problem um I, I believed in this this stigma that an alcoholic was some you know homeless bum on the street begging for money with a a paper bag with a bottle of booze inside it um that wasn't me i i was married i had a Nice home uh, with a view of the ocean. Um, I went to the beach all the time. I had a great job. Um, you know, I had a nice car. All these things were, were part of my daily life. I, I jokingly said that I was a functioning alcoholic because I knew I drank more than most people. And um, even early on, people called me the the, the Cardiff drunk because I lived in a town called Cardiff by the sea. And I could always be seen at the bars um, pretty much every day. And everyone knew I was drunk all the time, um, but it was more of a joke than than a, than a kind of recognition of a real problem. Um, so that that kind of internal belief that this can't happen to me that this that the stigma of someone who's an, an addict or an alcoholic um, that that uh, that kept me in this belief that I could use willpower or my own strength or whatever you want to call it um, to put down whatever I wanted to but the big thing is like life just wouldn't let me like there were so many problems, um, out there. You know, it was, a uh, wasn't getting along with my wife. So let's drink. Um, I didn't enjoy my job. So let's drink. Um, you know, I owed taxes, so let's drink. <laughs> you know, there were yeah. so many things that, that made me say drinking was okay. That that was a way to cope with things. Um, and that's all I knew. Um, so, so that kept me in, this, in the grips of things uh, longer than it should have. And so one of my big things today is really trying to help end this stigma and this notion that you have to be um, the stereotypical you know, homeless person on the streets to, uh, to, to question your relationship with alcohol. Um, if I had had that thought, if it had been more socially acceptable to say, hey, I have a problem. I probably would have accepted help a lot earlier. Um, So that's kind of what I'm working towards is trying to get the word out there that this happens to so many people and that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, Hey, I can't do this on my own um, because addiction will grab you and will take down big, strong people as well as, you know, average Joes. So um, there's no shame in in accepting help. Um, Brad,
0: I I I just have to say, I I love what you're, what you're saying. and, And your dedication to ending the stigma about what addiction looks like, because I I think there are definitely a lot of people who think in order to be an alcoholic, you have to be, like you said, a bomb laying in the streets and drinking out of a paper bag. And I've heard it in the, the, the years that I've been sober from so many people that that's that's what they thought an alcoholic should look like but Mm -hmm. we we are everybody you Mm -hmm. know we you know alcoholism does not discriminate right so so it's uh it's great that you're that you're uh really championing the 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 end of the end of the stigma of what the face of alcoholism looks like because it can save people
1: totally agree And, and i i didn't even buy into this notion until not long into, but, you know, a while into sobriety. So I still had this idea in my head. I still had this belief in my head um, that the traditional alcoholic was, was that picture um, and that I still wasn't it, but I was in sobriety and I was in recovery. And it wasn't until some time into it that I started coming to this realization that, you know, this this idea of, you know, alcoholism equals weakness or lack of willpower or something like that, that that was a a farce and that I I saw other people working against that and I was motivated by that. Um, And the fact that I saw other people doing that and and motivated by that, you know, that's kind of what launched me into where I'm going today. But, um, uh, you know, to stay kind of more linear, um, you know this, that so that whole belief that that um, alcoholism was the the you know was not me so to speak. Um, you know, it kept me in that delusion. It kept me into this romanticized idea that you know I could control my drinking, um, I just didn't want to. Um, that you know I had a good life, even though I was miserable. You know, my drinking was I'd go sit at the beach with a a tumbler full of a cocktail before we went to the bars um, so that idea was you know I'm not that homeless person I'm not the the, the person that's in need, in need of help I've still got my stuff together um, and this is even after I had my first bout with pancreatitis um, you know I, I knew um, I knew what pancreatitis was my brother had been through it um, when it happened to me uh, I was sadly I was also on a different medication for rosacea and when I talked to one of the doctors they said oh well this medication can trigger pancreatitis Mm. so in my mind I latched onto that 100% like that's what caused my pancreatitis not my drinking so I'll just you know go back to drinking but I'll do it moderately which as we all know that doesn't work um so a year later i had my second bout of pancreatitis and that I mean, when i went to the er i knew what was going on and so the 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 lead up to that one is my my wife had left me um i had basically stopped going to work i was in the most depressive funk i could possibly imagine i literally just wanted to drink myself to death um things had really spiraled out of control for me Um, Not that they were ever in control, but they got really, really bad. Um, I couldn't pay rent, and in a week, I was going to be homeless. Um, My car had been repossessed. My cable and everything was turned off. The only thing I had still was a cell phone, and I was using my ex-wife's old car that could barely make it five miles. Um, I had $12 in my pocket, which I know that number so specifically because when I the store that I would get my booze from, a bottle, of, a, a handle of vodka, and a two liter bottle of soda cost eleven dollars and eighty seven cents, and I would be able to go there with this twelve dollars and say, "Oh look, I got the you know the perfect amount of money." Oh. Um, and so that's all that mattered to me. I, I literally did not want to die. I could not. I, I did not want to live. I couldn't see mm-hmm. past that next level of booze. Um. So one morning, like two o'clock in the morning, I, I, I woke up on the couch and, you know, I felt the, the familiar pain in my, in my stomach. I knew exactly what it was. Um, I kept trying to ignore it for maybe an hour or so. And for some reason, whatever reason, and I know what the reason is now, but at the time I didn't know what the reason was. I got up off the couch. I got in that junker of a car and I drove myself to the ER. I had no desire to live. So it was just a, an odd thing the ER doctor told me it was one of the worst cases of pancreatitis he'd ever seen. And if I didn't come to the hospital then. Wow. um, And so I spent a week in the hospital, nurses, doctors, uh, social workers coming to me. Everyone's telling me, you got to go to rehab. You got to go to inpatient rehab. And honestly, the only reason why I accepted going to rehab was because one of the social workers talked me into the fact that since I was still on my ex-wife's insurance, her insurance would cover it. And so what that meant was it was 30 days of a roof over my head and food, um, mm-hmm. because I literally was going to be asking friends to sleep on their couches. Um, mm-hmm. so the idea of having a place to stay, um, is what got me into rehab. I was, I absolutely did not believe that I was an alcoholic. I thought I could go to, um, some recovery meetings so that I could learn to drink like a gentleman. And you hear this often that the people that believe that that's what these recovery meetings are for. Um, I still believe that I could control it, but because of all of these external factors that was always somebody else's fault um, mm-hmm. that, that I could just, you know, start drinking like a gentleman, but I had no place to go. So I'll go to this rehab place for 30 days and, and get free room and board.
0: Brad, that's a that's amazing, Brad, because it just goes to show, you know, I keep you you taught you spoke earlier about willpower and just how strong mm-hmm. it is, and wow, you your willpower, even while you were in the hospital, was saying, mm-hmm. oh no, I'm I i do not have a problem, I just need to drink like a gentleman, and mm-hmm. and it's just unbelievable how willpower can, is so strong in many of us, and so strong that it's in a lot of us it costs our lives you know because we're not willing to surrender uh to um our our something that we cannot control
1: exactly and i was always taught from you know from an age where i can't even remember the the saying the what the mind of man can achieve uh can believe the mind of man can achieve or something like that so basically you can talk yourself into anything um and so i absolutely believe that and i just really thought that it was just a matter of, of of willpower of control but that that willpower is what kept me in my addiction
0: so did you find that your will you let was a let the letting go because clearly you've you you understand what letting go means now because you've yeah. been sober since 2015 is that correct
1: yes so four yes. and a half years now
0: yeah wow, that's great congratulations Thank um you. huge so so your willpower when did you find that that started to take a back seat brad
1: mm, not for a while honestly um even in uh, the first i'd say couple weeks of, of rehab um i still had this i, I didn't buy into any kind of higher power idea for quite a while um, in, in rehab they, they talked a lot about kind of tangential things like um, how to how to deal with mental health issues which believe me this was all critical in, in my recovery um, but the idea of letting go um, of taking my get, get, putting myself in the back seat and, and, and literally letting go of the steering wheel um, didn't come until two years of sobriety.
0: Wow. And
1: I was working with, so that one is actually kind of one of my favorite stories to talk about is I'm working with a sponsor. Um, uh, and, uh, he had, um, talked to me, we came out along one of the the steps and and sadly, I can't remember if it's three or four, but anyway, Mm -hmm. um, we're working on the step and he's telling me, you know, he, he goes across this notion of God is everything or God is nothing. And I'm one that never likes to work in absolutes, except for right there. I don't like to work in absolutes. So this yeah. whole idea of God is everything, God is nothing didn't sit with me. And so he told me, well, do this for, for this next week until we meet, you know, next week, um, the first three days, meditate in the morning and, and meditate on the fact that God is nothing, that everything that happens is is your own doing or happenstance or whatever, um, like, okay, well, that's easy enough. I've been doing that for 20 plus years. Um, then he said, then the next three days, meditate in the morning and, and focus on God as everything. And so when, when, you know, everything that happens that day, that is because God made it happen. And I want to make sure people understand that this notion of God is not necessarily tied to a a religion. That's why I struggled so much was this idea of um, religion and spirituality were the same thing. And it took a long time for me to come up to this idea that they can be separate. Um, And so anyway, so the first three days of of this meditation exercise, no problem. Everything was just as it had always been. Uh, day one of god is everything to me so i meditate meditated on that and I'm getting myself ready to leave in the morning and i walk out of my house um and as as i'm walking out there's a person walking down the, the street and i he's clearly drunk this is seven o'clock in the morning on like a tuesday um he's clearly drunk and um so i actually walk back inside like cause i don't want to you know interact with this this guy and so then i realized no that's kind of stupid so i go back outside and i go walk to my car um and he tries to strike up a conversation i try to you know be polite but dismiss him you know politely dismiss him you know not trying to engage but not trying to be disrespectful um because i just didn't want to talk to him i mean he's got this he's got his cocktail in his hand he's in his bathroom and i'm sitting there judging him i'm literally judging him for, for being drunk at seven o'clock in the morning on a tuesday i'm thinking to myself Don't try and, you know, fool me. I'm an alcoholic. I know what you're doing. And I'm literally sitting there judging. And, you know, so I I get in my car and I drive away and I get to the stop sign. And that's when it hits me. It was like a slap in the face. Like I'm sitting there two years sober and I'm judging this other person who literally was me just two years ago. Hmm. And it was like, it was like such a wake up call. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Being that disrespectful, judging person, Um, and the only difference between me and him was that two years ago I wouldn't have gotten up off the couch to go for a walk, whereas he did. Uh, And and so I was sitting there saying, "How dare I? How dare I sit here in judgment and and think I'm better than?" Um, And and then, literally, like ten seconds later, was a second slap across the face of, "Oh my God, this is day one of me meditating on God is everything. The chances of." that person being placed in front of me to, to basically make me self make me look at myself in the mirror. It was just too uncanny. Um, and, and so that's when I started to realize I'm not in control of this thing and I have to totally let go of control and just accept things as so they come to me. Um, so that was my, my godshot shot and my realization that willpower doesn't exist um, in this instance that I absolutely cannot control anything, uh, and, and to literally just to take that, that, uh, serenity prayer of, of, um, accepting the things that I cannot control and knowing the difference.
0: Yeah. Wow. Brad, incredible, That incredible story. I love to hear. I love to hear stories about when you realize like you're in that aha moment. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, that reflection and that's what i was writing down as you were saying it that oh he's looking at this man as a reflection of himself mm-hmm. and that's what is bringing him to letting go like understanding yeah. that he needs to let go and and put his power in someone else's hands
1: exactly and, and i had never seen this person before and never saw him since so it was just it, wow. it was too it was too real it was too kind of on point um and, you know, some people might dismiss it as circumstance or whatever, but I, I can't. <laughs> and I, I think,
0: when, yeah, well, I think when we come from places of, you know, I talked about this with um another guest that um, when we come from such a dark place and we start to have the cobwebs clear in our brains and we're, we, we have more wits about ourselves and we're seeing things more clearly, you know, it's just. You know, we when we finally have that experience, like you did, Brad. I think it means that much more because we came from such a a place like a million miles underground, mm-hmm. and, and now we're in a place of wow.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: I I mean, was do you do you feel like that was a gratitude moment then and there, or did you find like over time that you look back and
1: think, oh, I'm so grateful for that moment. Uh, it was, it was um, like a lightning bolt from the sky moment. I mean, it was literally that powerful right then and there. Um, you know, I, I couldn't deny it. And ever since then, I literally have been my eyes wide open type of thing. Um, <laughs> seeing things in a completely different light. And, and um, you know, to, to kind of compare that to two previous, two years previously, while I'm in rehab, um I'm, <clears throat> I'm falsifying, basically, they, they have you do these daily inventory sheets of how you're feeling. And, you know, it's got a list of questions. And I'm, I'm BSing on these, these sheets because I want to be better. I want to believe that I'm okay. So I'm making it out like I'm doing just fine. And since I'm doing that, uh, one of the counselors co- comes up to me and says, okay, Brad, your insurance is about to let you go, let you out of here. And this is a week and a half in. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean they're going to let me out of here? And they said, well, you're doing okay, so you don't need to be here. And I freaked out. I panicked. Hmm. Um, so luckily, I had my, my um, individual session with my individual therapist, and I told her about this, how I was panicking. And she said, well, two things. Number one, be honest on your daily inventory sheets. Don't make it out like you're doing better than you are. Um, like, okay, got that taken care of. And she said, and the number two thing is, trust the process and i'm sitting there thinking how dare you tell me to trust the process i trust absolutely nothing i have zero trust and you're trying to tell me to trust this process like i don't even know what it is like how can you tell me to so this idea of trust of in anything was so foreign to me this belief that i could be not in control of something and it was going to turn out okay um mm-hmm. it was it was so foreign to me and i i remember feeling such anger at, at this this person telling me to, to trust i'm like what do you mean you, you realize you're talking to an alcoholic you want me to trust what <laughs> mm-hmm. um so fast forward two years and now here you know that i get this idea like okay i absolutely have to trust and i do now and, and, and so with this letting go um of of the perceived notion of control was a, a huge uh, revelation to me
0: oh that's and, fabulous and you know letting go and of control I found has been the greatest, one of the greatest gifts of sobriety for me, because I always had such a strong grip on everything and felt like I could control everything, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and kind of just giving all that up and just saying, you know, I surrender to it all. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, kept down from this feeling of wanting to change everything and make everything fit into my you know, my world and, um, and, and such a gift. So that, that's incredible. I've, I love, I love hearing about the day or the, the moments or when that transformation of your thinking mm-hmm. is, is struck like, you know, struck like a, like a lightning bolt on you, Brad, that's, mm-hmm. that's incredible. So, so now you're on the other side of addiction and, mm-hmm. and, and tell, so let's, let's hear about what's going on in your life. Um, free of the obsession to drink and how it's changed. And so so we'll talk about your gratitudes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing, uh, you know, absolutely grateful for the continuing um, gift of sobriety. And, and it's something that, that really does take a daily maintenance. Um, and, and it's not just, um, you know, it, it's whatever it takes for you to get, kind of get through the day. And so for me, it's, it's journaling. Uh, for me, it's working with others. Um, and so, whether that's Instagram or through um recovery meetings um it's it's passing on the gift that I've been given uh, and helping others and, and so that to me keeps me in gratitude for the continuing gift of my own recovery uh so helping others helps me type of thing um, and uh you know through through the the process of been growing, growing, growing. Uh, you know more in the lines of wanting to help others, um, you know at first, I thought of this as being a discontentment with my current career I'm an accountant by by trade I've got my degree in accounting and I've been working in accounting for for over twenty years um, and it's not been fulfilling for a long time um, and I was always focused on the discontentment of that and that's why like you know a few years ago when when I first got into recovery, I thought of how much I disliked my job and that was the problem. Well, now the focus is not I dislike my job because I'm grateful that I have a job. I'm grateful I have an income and and a good boss and good coworkers and all of that. So that's all that gratitude is there. Um, And I'm also grateful at the fact that I can now see, okay, the truth is, and I'm not getting um, fulfillment out of this job. So let's do something that is fulfilling. Um, So in June, I think it was, I, I put out some feelers and um, and, and got some responses. And, and so I realized I wanted to make a, a full time profession career out of uh, this helping others. And so I, I'm actually back in school now. I'm getting my master's degree in substance abuse counseling.
0: That's um, fantastic. Yeah. That's so great.
1: Yeah. So it's and, and in that, in that is, you know, an eye opener in and of itself because. I just remember years ago, um, you know, fully, you know, plowing forward in my in my accounting career, and um, and my then wife was going for her master's degree, and I just kept scoffing, saying, "I will never go back to school. It's too much stress. It's too much work. It's too much pressure." Um, and now here I am back in school and loving every minute of it. I look forward to doing my readings and, and doing my um, questions and interacting with my class and doing my papers and all that. So it's, it's actually exciting to learn all of this stuff. So um, it, it's, uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled about this process and in, in talk about, you know, trusting the process and here I am at this, you know, this totally letting go and, and just accepting everything as it's coming towards me. And um, it's just very exciting.
0: Oh, and I'm I'm really excited for you, and and congratulations on this new journey that you're traveling down of authenticity, and and you know not to say that being an accountant is not useful; it absolutely is. But I do, you know, I certainly don't work with numbers well, so <laughs> I, I I rely on our accountant to to take care of a lot of things that I can't. And so kudos to them. But you know to know that somebody who you know w it was an active addiction and an accountant like and then you and then changing and getting sober and now you're now you're putting all this great energy into the world and helping others and you're going to help a lot of people I mean you are you already are helping a lot of people with your Instagram account and and what you've been doing and and now in this new profession you're you're going to just help thousands of people. And, and unfortunately we need more addiction counselors. We need more professionals who ha- know what it's like to be an addict, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. We can,
0: we can identify, <laughs> we can have more, compa- we, I, not. you know, I, I think there's, there's an element to um, the relationship between, you know, a counselor and, and somebody who's struggling. If, if we, if the, if the counselor is able to identify that that compassion goes so far in their relationship with the addict and and so I sometimes I'm like I think it should be a requirement (laughs) (laughs) to be you know a a former addict to go into the profession but there are plenty of people who don't you know they they may have you know 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 a lot about it and be interested in it and they're just as good uh,
1: as,
0: as well but no thank you I applaud you for doing and and it's yeah, fantastic.
1: I, I totally agree with that, um, you, you know, the notion of, of um, uh, a person who has personal experience with addiction, um, to me, uh, in my own mind, um, has higher qualification to dealing with other people in, in, in trying to recover from addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this it sits pretty strong with me, because I remember sitting in rehab and really, somewhat dismissing all of what the the counselors and therapists were were saying. Um, You know, I was looking at them as uh, bookish men and women who went to school and studied a subject and now they're trying to pass this on to me, but they don't know what it's like. They don't know my life. They don't know how difficult it's been. So I'm I'm pretty much, I'm, I'm accepting what they're saying, but somewhat guarded in that they don't really understand. And that was until I found out that every single one of them was a recovering addict alcoholic mm. and and that's when I'm like oh my god okay now I get it now I you understand me and and so that's when it was like a that was the first connection that I saw where um a person in recovery can really help other people in recovery and and, and so it was that's honestly that was when I said okay you can do this I want to do this too I want to be doing what you're doing as a profession but then I, I kind of held myself back saying no 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 you're riding this pink cloud thing um, mm-hmm. just just keep doing what you're doing you know hear what they're saying trust them as the professionals and and don't and this was kind of my first thing of don't try and force something and, and, and just jump into uh, a profession that you know nothing about and and so but it was that was to me like okay since I as an alcoholic put so much stock in and faith in um, the fact that my counselors and therapists were also recovering alcoholics or addicts, that to me said, um, it gives me a little bit more comfort in doing what I'm doing because I do know what that darkness feels like. I do know what that desperation and loneliness and and destitute, all of that. I know what it's like. Um, And so I, you know, to me, it just gives that, you know a little bit more of uh street cred for lack of a better term um uh to what people are doing
0: right and and it, that's an amazing experience i've had that as well when when w- when i see a person who's in the program what this was back when i first went into my program of recovery is that i saw these people and they and they were happy and they were normal and i thought are they really alcoholics like how are they like I don't get it. Like why mm-hmm. I I was perplexed. It just didn't make any sense to me. And then I've also had that experience with having sponsees I have I remember one young woman, um, bless her heart, she was working so hard, but she was struggling. And she said she at one point she said, You just don't understand. You don't know what it's like to try to, you know, stop drinking or stop, you know, using. And I'm thinking yeah wait a minute <laughs> <I'm>
1: <laughs> where like, did oh, you honey. meet me yeah <laughs> but
0: but and then I told my sponsor and she said oh because you're doing so well she doesn't see you as anything but just you know being healthy and 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 then so it's it comes to a place of like people don't recognize me as a active alcoholic you know they just yeah. see as and that and that's a blessing and 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 then also adding to that is I, I more and more start to not recognize myself as an addict, either the further I get out on the other side of addiction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm grateful to the, for that. But I also have to remember, I have to remember where I came from in order to stay sober. So, so, um, yeah, I love what you said about, you know, the profession, how you, how you uh, kind of knee jerk wanted to, oh this sounds like an, a profession that I could do. But And then you withheld from kind of, you know, going quickly into something and allowing it instead to go move organically. That's tough for us to do as alcoholics, right?
1: (laughs) Oh, for sure. The the urge was really strong, uh, but I think the fear uh, was even stronger. The fear of the unknown, um, because I I still saw that as a as a mountain to to climb, Um, and so the fear of climbing a mountain kept me from doing anything rash anything And and, and so the impulse control was was you know it's not there for us (laughs) that's why we're addicts um Mm -hmm. so it was something that I really kind of focused on like no don't do this now um stay the course you know go back to your your job they still want you back there Mm -hmm. um and just you know continue on with that and, and, and let things happen organically and um, I almost, you know, it was almost inorganic how much of the breaks I put on that because, um, you know, even in, in my recovery meetings, um, even in Instagram, people kept telling me, Brad, you're so good at this. Uh, you should do this as a career. You know, people kept goading me. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's, I'm going I'm, I'm to count. I'm a numbers guy. You know, so I, I okay. you know, did kind of put more breaks on it, but I think it really kind of came down to um, you know, I had to be ready. I had to be so ready to to jump into this um, before I did it, because you know, if I tried to go, you know, too early, I, I think I would have. I don't know. It wouldn't have worked as well as it's working right now. Um, so, and that's was, a beautiful
0: a, thing. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: No. You know. It was, it, it, so it really was just a matter of, of um, making sure that I was I was absolutely ready that this was going to be the right thing for me. Um, and that I wasn't uh, doing the knee-jerk reaction, as as you had said.
0: Yeah, and then and then now that it's happening, it's happening so authentically because you just allowed it to happen as it was meant to happen, and that's a part of the letting go, right? The yeah. letting go of yeah. our power. You know, the um, that that everything happens when it's supposed to happen, and then it right. works out perfectly because you just let it happen.
1: Exactly, and, and actually, one of the biggest things that kind of helped me get over this this hump so to speak um it is towards the end of last year um a good friend on Instagram had had she had made a compliment towards me and I I can't remember what the compliment was but I at the time I I would I would you know brush off any compliment as as kind of a joke and laugh about haha no you don't really mean that or something like that um receiving a compliment was so hard for me and I so I just wouldn't do it And this friend called me out on it and said, Brad, when you don't accept a compliment, you not only disrespect yourself, you disrespect me, who's paying you the compliment. Mm -hmm. And that that really hit me. And that's why I actually really had to meditate on that. Like, why can't I just accept compliments? Mm -hmm. And and it really comes down to this negative self-talk. And so, um, and it was, it's something that's been ingrained in, in my head since I was a kid. And part of my childhood traumas is um you know my my nickname growing up was dumb fuck. um that was what my dad called me. you know he would always call me that and say you're too uh. stupid to do something and no matter what it was so i and so i would actually i started catching myself um talking negative to myself and, I, and so at the start of this year um in 2019 i started a self-affirmation journal in in this journal helped me more than any other single tool um, to date, uh, where I would write out a word, I would meditate on that, and I would relate it to myself, and it was a a, a word that I could use as a positive affirmation, Um, and I would relate it to how it didn't exist pre-addiction, and how it does exist now in, in recovery. Um, and so doing that journal, and I did 90 days, you know, it took me 270, but I did 90 entries. Um, and, and so that actually retrained my brain to think better into about myself to accept compliments to be more positive, not fake positive, authentic positive, um, to understand the gifts that I have to understand the, the goodness in me, and in, in, in doing that it gave me the confidence um, and comfort level to step out of my comfort zone and, and get into this, you know, to go and, and change careers. I mean, I'm, I'm 48 years old and I've been an accountant ever since I've been working. So the idea of completely shifting careers into counseling is, you know, it would, it would have been undaunting, uh, impossible to even conceive uh, mm-hmm. in reality a couple of years ago, but in doing this self-affirmation journal in, in, truly recognizing what strengths I do have um, gave me the comfort to say, I can do this. Um, and and so here I am. And so I, I would actually really um, encourage people to take a look at how you talk to yourself because um, you know, there's, it's, it's widely known, you know, you talk to yourself more than you talk to anybody else, whether it's just in your mind or even out loud um, and our thoughts carry weight. And, and so You know, you you wouldn't accept someone talking to your best friend uh, the way that you talk to yourself sometimes. I mean, you think, you know, would you allow someone to call your best friend stupid or ugly or fat? Heck no. You'd probably smack them upside the head and say, don't talk to them that way. So why do you allow yourself to talk to yourself that way? So those thoughts all kind of went in my mind and like, okay, I'm going to start talking to myself better authentically and really. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. And treating yourself like your own best friend. I love that. I had to learn how to do that as well, Brad. And that was a very difficult thing for me to do. And I still catch myself sometimes if I'm paid a compliment, some, if somebody says something nice to me, Mm -hmm. Uh, there are moments if I'm not like feeling that great mentally the day, I uh, it's a little more difficult too. is I, I have to stop myself, pause and force myself to say, thank you. I appreciate those kind words. And it's, yeah. it's, it's like writing with the opposite hand, you know, that I was born writing with. And, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, what recovery can be like, I think a lot for a lot of people, but oh, I just want to add. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. And, um, and I have to, I have to make a comment about, um, you know, the, the intentions, you know, the, the how you were so purposeful in, in changing yourself. And, and that takes so much power, like positive Mm -hmm. power and, Mm -hmm. and people, and I just have to speak to this, to the listeners who think, you know, Oh, getting into recovery means that I lose all control, that I lose power, but Mm -hmm. it's not, it's like, we actually have more power. You know, we have more power to make a difference in our own lives Mm -hmm. and feel really good about it. You know, that, that, and then we become our own best friends, yeah. and then, and then when we're around everyone else, we're a lot more fun to be around. <laughs> you yeah,
1: know? like we're no, we're not it's, so anymore. Yeah.
0: it's so true. It's so true because
1: we have this perception of control, and and in, in letting go of that perception, we actually gain. You know, by mm-hmm. by letting go of this idea that we're in control, um, we actually empower ourselves. Because then we make our own decisions based on what we can do and what we can't do. And it's okay to say, I'm not in control of that. So whatever happens happens. And that's not, that's not giving up. Um, That's not, that's not a quitter mentality because I used to think, well, if I, if I give up control, then I'm a, I'm a quitter. Well, no, that's not it. There's just certain things that you're not in control of. So letting go of that perception of being in control of, of certain things, gives you the power to do to take control of the things that you can and, right. and that's huge when you start when it's um directed to control I, I don't know what the term i'm trying to search for here but th- this this idea of of taking care of the business that you can take care of and letting go of the stuff that you can't um is very empowering it's very freeing it's very liberating um you know i used to think that i would drink because I'm free and drinking made me free. And when in reality, that was, those were, those were the invisible handcuffs, you know, mm-hmm. in, in quite literal terms, I was, I, I was shackled to a bar stool. I was, I was about shackled. to
0: say, I, I use yeah. that analogy myself. Yep.
1: Agreed. And so now I'm free to do whatever it is I want. If I want to go for a hike, I can, if I want to go for a drive, I can, you know, I can do whatever I want because I'm not drunk. I'm not hung over. I'm not sick. I'm not tired. Um, so that in of itself was absolutely liberating. You know, right. people say, what do you, what do you do for fun when, when you're in sobriety, anything I want. <laughs> this yes, we're, of, you
0: know, we're free because we're free. And that's something I'm so glad we're talking about. This is fantastic because I, you know, I want to reach listeners who are, you know, who, who don't understand alcoholism and addiction and recovery and not because it's their fault. It's just, they don't Mm -hmm. know what they don't know because, you know, there's such negative stigma against, Oh no, that person's an alcoholic and they're, they're not drinking anymore. It's scary, but it's more acceptable in society for neighbors to talk about, you know, somebody who passed out on their front lawn Mm -hmm. on the 4th of July. And that's funny, but I can't say, oh, I just went to this great recovery meeting and I'm learning how to let go of my control of things and I'm becoming a better person because of it. And I'm nicer to people and I'm nicer to myself. You know, if that if that is said in lieu of, you know, oh, I I did this awesome keg stand, but then I passed out in the middle of it and fell over, you know, mm-hmm. that it just, it doesn't make any sense to this alcoholic. But, right. you know, I know that I have to also accept the fact that, you know, you and I, Brad, and so many others are working towards a, a you know, end the stigma culture of yep. of what it's what it really is like to be in recovery. How it is the right. the best thing to do for ourselves if if we have a problem. And and we're th- we are the courageous ones. We are the brave ones. We yeah. don't know that initially. We think we're losers, right? I mean, I'll speak for myself. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was a yeah. loser, like a failure. Oh.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. uh, yeah. Go ahead. One of the things I I used to, and I still do to some extent, but I used to rail against um, the perception of the romanticized perception of alcohol you know you see the ads you see the pictures you see you know where where dudes are hanging around watching a football game and throwing back a couple beers or you know the ladies are are together and commiserating over a glass of wine but it's always this romantic like sunset kind of thing where where things are fun and they're you know this is what drinking is all about Um, and I used to rail against that because it would it implanted this false perception in people's minds that alcohol is safe it can be safe and it can be fun but it's also very very dangerous Mm -hmm. um but this this constant barrage of perception of of this romanticized idea of alcohol um keeps people in this notion of not drinking is the unacceptable thing Um, so i used to rail against that and i still do to some extent but I, i try and Uh, now I'm trying to like shift my focus a little bit about instead of being angry at, you know, this, this, uh, this positive, this false positive of of the advertising establishment. um, I'm now working hard on the true positive of people in recovery that being sober is normal, that being sober is fun. It's cool. It's acceptable. um, And that, you know, um, that this idea of, uh, you know, that, that it, if you're not drinking, then that, that there's something damaged and wrong about you. Well, you know, truth is there is something damaged and wrong about me, but it's not the fact that I don't drink. Uh, the fact that I don't drink is empowering. It's liberating. It's positive. Um, so I wear myself, uh, out loud and proud and, and, and um, to try and give other people the idea that, there's a normal guy he's successful he's got a college degree you know all this good stuff and he doesn't drink and then that so that's okay so i'm Mm -hmm. instead of it being this attack on you know the the perception of the advertising of alcohol uh, i'm trying to work on the other side of you know let's let's all be you know out there or at least don't just put it on me be out there and be okay with um saying hey i'm in i'm in i'm in recovery i'm Mm -hmm. i'm sober Yeah, And Brad,
0: that's, yeah, that's taking positive action, which is the, the, a very healthy way to respond to that, that culture. I love that, Brad. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, that's fantastic. But, you know, I, you know, as we're we're wrapping things up here, I want to just ask you one more question. What would you say has been the most unexpected sober gratitude?
1: Mm. Oh my gosh. Um. Unexpected, sober gratitude. Um, I really got to go with the the freedom to love myself again. Um, e- e- to be happy with myself. And e- in, in, I don't want to sound like it's selfish. It's self-love kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm really okay with me. And, and that was really unexpected because, um, you know, I... Uh, for the longest time, I hated myself. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, even before the the really bad times, I mean, even when I was back in college, I had this self-loathing, this self-hatred that would crop up. Um, And I still get down on myself at times, but never to such an extent that I actually literally hate myself. Um, So this idea of, I'm okay with me, Uh, exactly as I am I mean I'm not perfect I'm I'm always trying to work to progress myself Mm -hmm. but I'm really okay with me with where I am right now today Um, that is was unbelievable yeah
0: oh that's phenomenal and you know if only you know I'm I'm kind of a a dreamy person and 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 if only everyone in the entire world could say I'm okay with just being me Mm -hmm. as you said and the world would be Oh, oh, a beautiful place, but it is, yeah. I don't want to be negative. You know, it, this is fantastic, Brad. And I'm, I just want to make sure I, I get a little plug to your Instagram account. It's sure. sober and loving life. 2015. Is that correct?
1: That is correct.
0: Awesome. And so check out Brad and his journal entries and his affirmations. They are sure to inspire you, Brad. I'm so grateful that I got to chat with you today and hear your story I know you've helped so many people today with your inspirations. So I, I, I thank you so much.
1: Well, and, and Sarah, thank you so much again for everything you do. I mean, you are such a force on, you know, we met on Instagram and you were such a force. there. always positive, um, spreading so much love and, and positive energy in, in this venture that you're doing here. I, um, I just, I love it and I'm so grateful for, for everything that you're doing as well.
0: Oh, well, like I can't do it alone and thank you. Okay. All right, Brad. Well, you have a great day.
1: Thanks so much. You too. All
0: right. right, Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you to my guest and all of you for listening. I hope what you heard inspires you to look for and recognize the gifts of sobriety. Sober Gratitudes, a podcast dedicated to delivering messages of hope, through true stories of recovery. A sober life is possible if you truly want it. Sober Gratitudes is a podcast dedicated to spreading the hope in recovery from addiction. It is an inclusive show that does not promote or represent any recovery program. When my guests and I discuss what keeps us sober, we are referring to our own unique experiences. Our goal is to encourage and give hope to those who are struggling and need support.